now. Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? And it's also, yeah, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With all right, let's do this, what the fuckers, what the fuck next, what the fuck it tears. What the fuck it, what the fuck again, what would I, uh, what the fucking ganders? Would that work? All right. I wasn't sure how to do it. I am Mark Marin. this is a live WTF from the Laugh Fest in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Holy shit, look at this. You guys are fucking awesome. All right, good, that's good. I've had a fine time in your city for two days. I regret to say, yeah, no, it's been great. I had good food and I, I didn't realize that the, the entire city was built on a pyramid scheme, but I... Um, <laughs> Like this, we're at the top of the pyramid <laughs> that just trickles down level to level to just disappointed people who buy the kit. <laughs> like, I never even know how the fuck Amway makes money. I've known people that are like, I got the stuff, I'm gonna go out and sell it. And then you go to their house and you're like, oh, that's in the closet, it didn't work out for me. Like, I, I just, I, I remember doing it once when I was in high school. I fucking thought I had it nailed. Some dude I went to high school with was, what, what do they call them, managers? Or like, he had, he was a distributor, right? An Amway distributor. And he's like, uh, I can set you up with a kit and you can make a fortune. I'm in high school. I'm like, all right, that sounds great. So I get the kit. I get like two bottles of the cleaning shit. And I got this idea in my head that all I got to do is go to every gas station in Albuquerque, New Mexico and sell them a 50-gallon drum of this solvent and I'm going to fucking have this ace. I'm going to make a million dollars. I went to one gas station and the guy's like, we get our own solvent. What are, you, what are you fucking kidding me? That was the end of my salesmanship. That was the end of my Amway dream. Just went right out the window and I, I had the Ziploc leather pouch for the money I didn't make. <laughs> But I can't believe those guys, like, they, they own this town. Is that what the deal is? Does Amway... And you're all proud of that on some level? How many of you actually sell Amway, please? How many people sell Amway in here? That's fucking hilarious. Not one of you sells Amway. How many of you even know Amway salespeople? Then what the fuck is going on? This is my point exactly. It's got to be some sort of Illuminati thing. It's got to be some broader conspiracy. Are they only making money on idiots that think they can sell it and they pay $6 for the kit or whatever? That is brilliant bullshit. Oh, that is beautiful. They built a hotel I'm staying in. On, it's all built on desperate people's dreams to sell products that nobody believes in. I, and all the Amway products, if I recall correctly, you, you had to do like one part Amway product to 90 gallons of water. Like anything you sold. It was like, it's a great cleaner, but be sure you mix it because it's really concentrated. And the label sucked and there's no reason anyone would want to buy that shit. And I don't know. I think we should investigate this. What else is going on? Didn't make it to the Gerald Ford Museum. <laughs> I, what? Really? You're disappointed? 
Well, no, I, I can look at it from my hotel room, and to me, like every morning, I looked at it and I kind of laughed to myself because I mean, I know he was the president, but I don't know anything about him, and, and I knew that he was sort of a buffoon on some level. Like, I wasn't old enough to really re register what he was politically in any way, but just the fact that there's a big museum there. I'm like, what could they have in there? Like a football helmet and like a, some shoes that he tripped in. You know, I don't... <laughs> you have Ford there in Dearborn? Well, yeah, but he also made cars. You know, I, 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 you know I'm, I'm not a Nazi apologist, but yeah, Henry Ford was not a good guy, but I think as it trickled down into the Mustang, we can all accept that it's amazing how forgiving Americans are it's like Henry Ford was a Nazi but like <laughs> he didn't make this car <laughs> no one's not buying Ford cars on principle you know, like, he was a Nazi okay I'll never drive a Model T yeah I, uh, let's, like, I got a big show here. I want to thank everybody for bringing me stuff. This, is, um, this was supposed to be fudge, but it's not fudge. It's homemade brownies, which always make me nervous. Um, <laughs> no, I, I like them, but like everyone I talk to about receiving food from you people, like people who are not necessarily what the fuck people, they're like, and you eat it? And I'm like, yeah, my fans are good people. <laughs> and I know at some point I'm gonna eat one and I'm gonna spend three days awake watching the rug move and I'm gonna <laughs> and I'm gonna say that person wasn't a nice person but for some reason this has a magnum condom in it which I appreciate the optimism and the implication is that the brownies are so good you'll need one of these what do you think I'm gonna do with these brownies and if they're that good, why would I have to protect myself? <laughs> and then they, like, I, I think they were doing a, they made me a button, and I think it's a riff on my nerdcock idea, but they just wrote Markcock. <laughs> I'm not sure how to, it's nice, I appreciate the effort, but not unlike the nerdcock shirt, I don't think I can wear a Markcock button. <laughs> but I appreciate it, and thank you for the two cupcakes, and thank you for the fucking pie. You fuck. Yeah, all right, buddy. I believe that. This is a very considerate gift of, uh, of Red Wing boot polish and, and products. And uh, happy birthday to you, Jill. Jill, is it Jill? It's happy birthday. It's her 16th birthday, folks. 16. Sixteen's exciting, man. You don't know what the fuck is going to happen to you. There are so many things that are going to be so fun in the future and so disappointing. Look forward to it. <laughs> you think this is the high point of your life? Wow. Okay. I, I appreciate that, and I, and I hope that's not true for your sake. <laughs> oh, and thank you. What's your name? I'm sorry. Indian guy? What? Rishi. Rishi. Thank you for this. He, uh, he gave me a book on India, so I will go. Wait, can I read what you wrote, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Uh, next time you're in Michigan, email me about food. All right. Hi, Mark. You've talked to the girl from The Office and Russell Peters, 
and countless other people about how you simply adore Indian food, uh, Ganesh, the Ganesh, but you still haven't been to the world's oldest country. Indian people do much more than eat spicy food <laughs> and have swamp butt. <laughs> they beat their wives, too. <laughs> Hopefully this book demystifies the country for you and inspires a live WTF from Mumbai. I, I, I'm going to go at some point. I will. I swear to God. Let's read a few emails and bring some people up. Thanks from a small island. Dear Mr. Marin, I just want to say thanks for the podcast. I'm a volunteer employed by the U.S. government, and I've been living in... Van How do you say that? V-A... What is it? Are you the guy? Vanuatu? Well, don't say it like everyone fucking knows. Nobody here knows that but you. And, and if this were a, a mob-oriented situation, we'd hate you for your intelligence. I've been living in Vanuatu, which is a small group of islands in the South Pacific, for six months now. Your podcast has kept me entertained and makes dealing with giant centipedes... Wait, here comes the parenthetic, and this is in parentheses. 12 inches long with giant poisonous spikes on each end, and when you cut them in half, both sides will run around and try to bite you. They are fucking terrible, terrible creatures. I call them Satan semen. That's the end of the parentheses. And then, and then giant spiders, parentheses, size of my hand with fingers outstretched, covered with hair, but they don't bite, thank God, end the parentheses. Rats, lack of electricity, lack of running water, cold bucket showers, island kakai food, K-A-K-A-E, sir? <laughs> nothing, nothing, sir, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Huh? Want to Google it, fuckface? Come on. I'm kidding, buddy. I'm kidding. In parentheses, it says, or island food, supposedly. Uh, constant diarrhea, constant heat, and fever slightly more bearable. Wow. What the... He's, I, he says, and then he goes, I teach kids computer here, and I actually love it. <laughs> After that list of bullshit? Vanuatu has the slowest internet in the world and it takes about four to six hours to download an episode, but so far I've managed to snag all the latest ones from episode 200. Not only is the podcast hilarious, but personally do I dare say I find it enlightening and feel like I've learned some valuable life lessons from listening to you and your guests. Not the one that tells you to get the fuck off that island. Oh my god. How can that not be enlightening when you're sitting there looking at centipedes, shitting water, eating horrible food? Like, how could I not be enlightening? I would think that just electricity would be good. No, I'm glad he's doing service out there. Scariest fucking thing ever, subject line. But like, this is a long story, but I thought the, the last part was funny. I live in the East Bay. While finishing up at work, I got a call that my sister was being taken to the hospital by an ambulance from a concert due to alcohol poisoning. 
Naturally, I got in my car and made my way south. It was pouring fucking rain, on, and on 880 South, I hydroplaned, hit the wall three times, spun into traffic. Luckily, no cars ran into me, and I was able to reverse onto the shoulder. But out of the five cars that I had to swerve out of my way, and 150 that must have passed me while I was waving my arms for help, not one person stopped for me. Aww. I coasted. <laughs> I coasted my car for a mile. I found an exit and got my, hoop, my hoopty into a Chevron. What's a hoopty? A jalopy? Thanks, sir. Well, you're not. This guy got that one. I'm sorry. I didn't grow up where the fuck they use that word. Um, I got my hoopty into a Chevron. Between the three impacts and the spinning, the inside of my car looked like a shake and bake bag. Really? Was your car filled with crumbs? <laughs> Were you eating 90 muffins in your car? <laughs> and I could not find my phone. The three phone numbers that I had memorized were not being answered, so I got a CHP to help me search my car with a flashlight from my phone. I was able to call for help, get my car towed back to my house, and get a ride to the hospital to see my sister. And I walked away from a disastrous accident with nothing but a broken finger and a sprained ankle. Now, the reason I'm bitching to you about this, when I crashed, I was listening to the Fred Willard episode. For the life of me, I cannot recall a single thing that you said, that you two said, but on arguably the worst night of my life, stranded in a total car in the rain on the side of the freeway and losing faith in humanity, all I could hear was my heartbeat and your voice. In a weird way, it was like you were in the car with me and your at-the-time soothing tone. Like she must have caught me on a good moment there calmed me down and reminded me that I was alive and should probably get out of the way of traffic and far from the mini lake that killed my 2001 Saturn SL. I guess what I'm trying to say is thank you, I guess. And then the last line is just, fuck, I need to take care of insurance shit. <laughs> and get a rental car. Let's do this one and then bring the guests up. Oh, no subject. But this is the greatest opening line of an email I've had. Mark, I'm writing you this with a bag of frozen corn on my balls. <laughs> I got turned on to your podcast a couple weeks ago, and I've been listening to the past episodes every chance I get. I'm enjoying it very much. Anyway, today I went in to get a vasectomy. And rather than listen to music, I thought it would be a good idea to listen to your latest podcast during the procedure. I thought a little comic relief would, keep, would be good to keep my mind off of all of things. So it's me and a doctor alone in a room. He's manipulating my balls to get things ready to slice and dice. And you're doing your intro to the show. Next thing I know, he's got me cut open and he's snipping and ripping. And you're in the middle of a Stamps.com commercial. Don't get me wrong, as far as commercials go, you do a great job of keeping things entertaining, even when you're selling something, but this is far from your best material and it's going on for a while. <laughs> the doctor pretty much gets things done before you finish trying to sell me on this internet-based postage service, and things just aren't panning out the way I had hoped. I felt like I timed a porno wrong and ended up blowing my load to Ron Jeremy's O-Face. How's 16 feeling? Good? Anyway, 
I was a little bummed because I thought the whole story would be funnier. Maybe you would say something funny as I was getting my balls sliced. Maybe I would have, I would think of something funny to add to the situation, but nothing that funny was happening. And I was worried this was going to be a shitty story with no strong joke to finish on. Then I sat up and went to put my pants on and noticed that the doctor had put a little pink Hello Kitty Band-Aid on my ball sack. <laughs> Fantastic. The fucking doctor was the funniest motherfucker in the room. Who knew? Love the show, Numb Nuts. You are a, a fabulous crowd. And it's my pleasure to bring out our first uh, comedian who uh, opens for me frequently on the road and just won a, uh, a, a, an honor, an award here at the festival. It's best in the Midwest. Please welcome Amber Preston. Amber Preston. How's your mic sound? Good? How does my mic sound? I, sound, yeah. I feel like it's good. Oh, yeah. She loves yeah. Yeah, you sound all Minnesotan. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Oh, the red, I see the red wing and it just jumped out at me. Yeah, no, the red wing. It's real good, real good. Did somebody bring this to you? Yeah. Did somebody bring this? Who brought the red? Oh, yeah. Real good. Um, I'm so excited. Your garage is beautiful, Mark. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's weird. I travel with it. It's huge, but it's always good, good to yeah. bring it. Yeah, Delightful. So what is this award? What did you win? I won the best of the Midwest. <laughs> now, is that... That's good. Yeah, right? no, that's that great. Good. It was like, yeah. It's a weird... I, don't, it's like, I just... I just became my mother for a minute. My mother always does that. Like, that's great, no, right? That's good, yeah. Right? Yeah, no, it's good. You know, the it's positive like, statement followed by the, like, right? Right? Like, why'd you give it to me and take it away? Yeah. Well, she's Minnesotan? No. No? That's a... Is that a real thing? It is a real thing. Is it here, too? I haven't noticed. No, here... Someone just spoke for the group. No. no. Even... They are... Even the ladies here are a little bit, like, fucking, like, intimidating. Like, it's very... <laughs> there's an aggressive edge. It's nice. Like, I've had a great time, but it's even... It's like there's Minnesota nice, but like just yeah. kind of ramped up. Here? Uh, here, I think, just a little yeah. bit. Like, yeah, they seem to be protecting like, something. They are a little bit. <laughs> the water? <laughs> I don't know what. We but got... I know there's parts of Michigan that are off the grid. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not safe. You know who you are. You're not here. <laughs> and they're not listening to me. They're cleaning out a porta potty behind a trailer somewhere. <laughs> With a gun saying, like, this is my property. This is where I poo. <gasps> we did, I did get poo. Somebody yelled poop at me today several times. Really? But well, it, was a nice, it was a nice... This is a Michigan thing. Like, we were walking down the street, and apparently... I didn't see it, but there was poop on the ground. So, but I didn't, I didn't see it, so these gentlemen <laughs> were like, poop, 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 poop. And I was just like, oh, drunk people. And then I almost stepped... They were just trying to be nice. Was it on Monroe it was, Center? That yeah, right, right, that, right, I saw right, that poop. Right. You saw it. <laughs> you didn't need people to yell poop at you. But I actually saw the poop you're talking about. How fucking ridiculous is that? <laughs> only and I remembered it because someone here. said to me, dude, 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 poop, poop. 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 That's, so they're nice, but it's like, poop. <laughs> at home in Minnesota, it would have been like, oh, if maybe you don't want to walk on that part of the sidewalk. Maybe the other side is nice. By the time you've already got it on yeah. your foot and you're going, Wait, how about a fucking quicker heads yeah. up? Oh, Here's nice. the funny thing about that poop, though. I saw that poop. 
I saw that poop, and right after I saw the poop, I saw Dad with his daughter on a leash, you know, like, like walking the baby. There was no way she could have made that poop, but I thought that would be probably the funniest thing I could ever see in my life, is a parent with a kid on a leash shitting on the street. I so badly want someone to make a YouTube video. You realize they're going to do that. Somebody, oh. The guy that wrote the letter that's going to take him 17 hours to download just yeah. to listen to his own... Like, you think he would have written a shorter email? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's going to make that video. I God, it would be so great. I would love to see that so bad. Just a parent with a kid on a leash peeing on something. Yeah. The face. Those, so I don't want to see that. How long, how long have you been at this thing? Six years. Six. Six. I don't know why I'm asking you, like you guys know. I've been you, following my career for open mics in Minnesota. But like, like, do and you, now I, I'm a winner. Yeah, it's beautiful. But I can't imagine, like, what is, what is it like to do one-nighters? Like, what do you do, uh, road gigs in Minnesota? I, yeah, you... and one time I had, this is what it's like, uh, opposite, extremes. One show, I had a gentleman walk out and demand his money back because I was blasphemous, and, uh, and then... And, and I was saying horrible things, and I'm not even that naughty. Like I'm a nice young lady, and uh, and he demanded. His, I said, I said, body of Christ is a lean protein, right? Oh, she's she's mortified. But then I go on to say, and my I, the rest of the joke is my mother scolding me because you know that's not nice. And and then he left, and he the crazy thing, like when he turned around, he had all these like American flag patches and like crazy eagle stuff, and then it took his bucket of beer by himself and walked out. Crazy drunk man. So I'm edgy. And then another show I had, uh, I'm, I'm thinking she was a hooker. I don't know. I didn't yeah. see money change hands. Sure. But she gave a, a gentleman um, a little handsy action under the table during, during my show. While you were on stage? While I was on stage. Because I thought, no, that's not really happening. I mean, I know I'm good, but, you know. And, uh, but they were just like... You know, she, like, they were gig- like they were wasted, and I thought, oh, it's just... Dropping. And she was jerking a guy off, was, like, in the front row? Well, like, they were, like, in the third row, but there was nobody in the front row. So... I don't know what, like, they thought they were being sneaky. So is there something that sounded like it might be a laugh out of context? Sort of like, oh, oh. <laughs> and you're like, thank you, sir. Oh, God. I'm done. Yeah. And no? I just powered through because I'm a pro. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think they, they left, and I was hoping she'd come back with somebody else. But I didn't. Second show? Yeah. Another yeah. guy? Late show. Like, and then I would... Right? 16, right? Naughty. She's 16. Who? Oh, 16. That girl right there. You are? 16 years old. You do not look 16. You're precious. Mm. Oh, she's like, so, so, like, what do you, you remember? You, what you, there's adult language here. <laughs> you, have you, you, do you listen to the po- Okay. Oh, my God. How old Can were you, you when you first gave a hand job? Seriously. Oh, no. I don't know. I'm against them. <laughs> That's... It seems like there's so many other... I'm, I'm against them, too, actually. There's, there's so there, many there's... other tools in the repertoire that sure. you think you could... More effective tools, I might add. Right. It's the man's job, she says. I think that's true, because like with a hand job, you're like, come faster, no more, and then you're like, fuck it, I'll do it. Yeah. Hand, that right, hand job is a ma- Let's make t-shirts, you and me. Hand job is a man's job. And, and we'll have the hand up. I got a new... I'm, I'm selling merch after the show. <laughs> it's your... lubricant for, for when you're in my audience and you want to... Like the KY jelly with your face on it? 
My parents are so proud. And uh, I like how I was like, I'm not really even that dirty. Like, I don't even swear. I'm going to sell lube after the show. Um, <laughs> is your yeah. mom like, uh, was, she, was she like real Midwestern-y? Yeah, um, yeah German-Russian. We're related to Lawrence Welk. Nobody knows who that is. <gasps> yeah, you guys do? Oh, yeah! What a yeah. bragger. Right? You're related to Lawrence yeah. Welk? Is that a, uh, I guess that's a good thing. He's pretty famous. Yeah, it yeah. is. To old people that watch PBS on Sundays. Do they still run Lawrence yeah. Welk? Oh, yeah. That, well, are you really excited or is that ironic? <laughs> he it is kind of a fun, ironic thing now to like have oh, really? like men. Like the show is so weirdly pastel. Like everybody's really, it's really fruity tooty. Like everybody's bubbly and like like everything's fake and you know like pastel. Did he have a, bat- a, wa- a yeah. conducting baton oh, well, with him all the time? He was a band leader. He was a band leader. Let's give. How does it make you feel that like a f- how long have you been doing the podcast? Two, Two years. years? Two and a half years. I don't know how long. Joe. Fourteen year old. Sixteen. Woman. She's sixteen. I know, she was fourteen. She started listening. Yeah. Oh, when she was fourteen. Yeah, Two episodes and that was out. it. That's what started. Do you think it? it's influenced you? Do you, do you? I'm taking over. Do you? F- I wanted to get to the bottom of what happens in a fourteen-year-old young lady's mind when she listens. You were screwed up to start with. Oh. No, you're a beautiful butterfly. The cable television and everything. Yeah. I, no, I'm, 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 I'm happy that yeah. the, the young people are into what I do. It gives me, like, because I've decided, and I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, that, like, I can't, like, when people ask me who my listeners are, because they're not, you're not necessarily comedy fans, and, and, and you're just fans of what, what the show is, but I've decided it's not a demographic, it's a disposition. And, and, and that disposition could be any age, you know? I mean, you're probably, um, you, know, you feel a little isolated in your head and you're angry at everybody and you have to act nice all the time. And Rightly you know so. that everybody's really more fucked up than you. And, and you know, you just, you know, struggle with having to tolerate the people around you and <laughs> remain pleasant. And, and then, you know, like, sometimes you're when you're... reaching a lot of people right now yeah. with this. And for, for some reason or another, when you say something that's just mildly abrasive, it comes out really fucking abrasive. And, I right? think that's the Michigan thing, though. That's yeah, not yeah. just a... That's a <laughs> well, I think, I think it's great that young people... I'm helping young I people. I think it's great, and I think you're right. I've op- like you said, I've opened for you a few times. The first time, I think I was a little nervous because I wasn't. I was like, oh, man, they're going to be super comedy. They're going to be, oh, judgy, judgy. How did she get to open for him? Yeah, no, but no. they're the best. They're good people. They're Look really, at them. They are. They're good peeps. Like, my concern was there, like, there would be one, you know, like someone tweeted yesterday, or maybe it was today, tomorrow I'm going to do a bar crawl and then live WTF with Mark Marin. And, and my first thought was like, why don't you just do one of those? <laughs> Why don't you choose between the two? And then they pooped on the sidewalk. What do you got? You got something? Did you want to um, discuss that corporate gig you were talking that your problem with Jewish people? <laughs> I would tell you, I loved two Jewish, bo- Jewish boys in college, and they did not love me back. That's my problem with Jewish boys. Why did they not love you back? I don't know. I was willing to say Jesus who and everything. I was like, forget that noise. I will. I am on board. <laughs> don't tell my grandma. She won't listen to this. But... Uh, I loved them, and they weren't having it. But my very first corporate gig was a bar mitzvah and uh, daytime and comedy for 13-year-olds. How did you handle that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, you know what happened? I was <laughs> a little crowd work. And, <laughs> and the uh, eight-year-old younger brother of the guest of honor stole the show by throwing peanuts at me. So <laughs> and what was like, like, I couldn't be like, fucking kid. Like, I had to be nice. 
Did you at any point snap and go, this is what's wrong with the Jews? <laughs> no. No, These I'm, Jewish children are horrible. No, I'm a good Midwestern pastor of regress. I said it behind their backs in a nice way. <laughs> Later. Amber Preston, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Yeah, you can move down. Yeah, sure. It is a privilege and an honor to bring up my next guest, who was uh, one of the original writers for Saturday Night Live. He wrote for the show from 1975 to 1980. Also the co-creator of the uh, Gary Shandling Show and many other books and projects. Please welcome the wonderful Alan Zweibel to the stage. Alan Zweibel. Yes. Yes. It's the Alan Zweibel. Sit down, hold the microphone. Alan Zweibel. You know how to do it? There you go. You talking to here? <laughs> okay. How are you, man? I'm great. Did I interrupt you eating? I had a, a little cantaloupe cube. Oh, good for you. No, it's down now. It's well, good. We're, we're already talk. well into Jew land here. There's Jewish people here? Right here. Me. Oh, you? Yeah. Are, you you said, the, are we the only two? I don't know. No, there's four other ones. How many ones. Jews are out there? <laughs> yeah, there's a few. But yeah. I cantaloupe cube, I'm like, oh, it's like my grandma's house. Well, yeah, because it's a cube and there's a, <laughs> a, there's a toothpick and you yeah, pig. Sure, you, it's you, cube. you cube it. You cube it. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Did you grow up with melon balls by any chance? I do. <laughs> it's in the Old Testament. You're supposed to. <laughs> melon balls. Melon balls. You did a little scoopy uh, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Your, your mom did it? it did, mom, did, did. my grandma, we all took turns. We had to. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, We're talking this, about melon balls. Yeah, this is, the, this is how we do it on this show. Indeed, this is I great. I actually have my Grandma Goldie's melon baller still. It's one of the only things I have of hers is a melon baller. Yeah. Is it on you? Sure, it's right in the <laughs> back. I carry it with me all the time. So let's, uh, let's start at the beginning of you. The beginning of me? Yeah. Like SNL, before you did SNL, because you were on the, on the, the, the original cast. I, well, I was one of the original writers. I was there from day one. And... I was there uh, from 1975 to 1980, and uh, yeah, so I was with, uh, you know, the original group, right. Lucy and Gilda and, yeah. and, and Chevy and everybody, yeah. 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 Now let's... You want to go before that, though, you said, right? Well, yeah, I'd like to know how you started writing comedy. Well, after I graduated college, yeah. I started writing for uh, jokes for... Um, Comedians who played in the Catskill Mountains. You did in New not. York. I Which did. ones? Which ones? Oh, you every Mickey, Morty, Freddie, Dickie, and Lee that ever lived, I wrote for. You see, because that used to be the spawning ground for comedians. That's where uh, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and Tony. Jack Field. Carter. Did you write no, for Jack Carter? Absolutely. All, <laughs> Alan King. They all came from there. By the time I graduated college, and I got to write for these guys, all the guys who were to become stars had already moved out. And I started writing for the guys who were sort of left behind. The okay. B-level guys? Yeah. The, well, B, C, and D-level <laughs> guys. And they, I was 21. They were 40 and 45. And it was at first thrilling, but it was like writing for my, to entertain my parents' friends, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melon and ball jokes. Melon ball. That's exactly right. <laughs> they paid me $7 a joke. That was the going rate at the time, $7 a joke. And they would only pay you, most of them, if the joke got a laugh. Right. So I would get in my parents' car on Long Island, <laughs> drive up to a Catskill hotel like Grossinger's or the Concord or yeah. Kutch's, sit in the back of the um, nightclub, 
And I'd watch the guy do my jokes, and invariably he'd come off and go, you know, Alan, <laughs> that joke about paving the driveway, eh, no one laughed. And I go, gee, Dickie. Uh, I heard a lot of laughs, and then we would bargain. Okay. And I'd go home with $4. It was, it was a living hell. And these were all nondescript comedians. They wore tuxedos. You know, this is 73, 74. Freddie Roman? No. Freddie Roman was one of them. Freddie Roman called me up. And, uh, I'm 21. He goes, sperm banks are in the news. <laughs> Can you give me some sperm bank jokes? So, um... I'm 21, like, sperm banks is really... For, for, um, you know... So I write, um, they have a new thing now called sperm banks, which is just like an ordinary bank, except here, after you make a deposit, you lose interest, okay? And um, $7, okay? Uh, yeah. So my name got around that I was the sperm bank guy. So now I'm the sperm bank guy. So another guy named Dick Capri calls Dick Capri, up. yeah. Did you know Dick Capri? Well, I know that him and Freddie did the uh, Catskills, Catskills on Broadway. Broadway yeah. Absolutely. So he goes, I needed sperm bank joke. I go, fuck, all right. All right okay, um, you know, I see a problem with these sperm banks because they're starting to freeze sperm. Yeah. And that's going to be a problem in the future because it's hard enough telling a kid that he's adopted. How do you tell him he's been defrosted? Okay. <laughs> Seven dollars. Right uh, Boom. Pow. Yeah. So, the, like I said, if the jokes worked, they got laughs, but these, none of them had any defined persona. I so, love that they would bargain with you. They'd sort of they like, bargain. What, what do you call a good laugh, Alan? You know, later on, when it was guys, when I wrote for guys, let's say, uh, Rodney Dangerfield, oh, who had a defined him? persona, you can write like a joke because it was a defined character. You always used to say, I don't get no respect. Right. So I had him say, um, oh, it was easy to have him say, I never got any respect. Even as an infant, my mother wouldn't breastfeed me. She said she liked me as a friend. You see, <laughs> that was easy, you know? <laughs> so did you write a lot for him? Uh, I wrote, um, let's see, no one in my family ever got any respect. Uh, even during the Civil War, I had an uncle who fought for the West. Okay? <laughs> that was easy. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I got no way. I was living home with my parents after college. Yeah. And I took a job in a delicatessen to supplement this wonderful living that I was making. <laughs> And I was going nowhere, and then what I did was, I said, you know, I, I'm going to die here. And so I took all the jokes they wouldn't buy from me, mm -hmm. and I put them into a comedy act for myself. And there were two clubs in New York at the time. One was called The Improvisation, other was Catch a Rising Street. Star. Yeah. And this is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is where Robert Klein and David Steinberg and Lily Tomlin and Freddie Prince, they were coming through. This was the new Catskills. This right. was the new spawning ground. The first wave. Well, Richard Lewis? Richard Lewis, Richard Belzer, yeah. my friend Larry David. Yeah. They were coming through at this time, okay? So I took them all, and my, my plan was to go on stage and to deliver the jokes with a hope that a manager or an agent, uh, somebody would come in and like the material and give me a job as a, um, as a TV writer, which is what I wanted to be. The first week that I'm there, I meet another guy who's starting out. His name is Billy Crystal. And um, he lived three towns from my parents where I was living on Long Island. So he would pick me up every night in his Volkswagen. <laughs> 
We'd go to New York, we'd tell our jokes, and on the way back, we'd listen to it on the tape, and we would critique each other. I'm about four months into this experiment, and one night it's about, oh God, one o'clock in the morning, and I'm having the hardest time in the world making these six drunks from Lansing laugh, okay? <laughs> I get off the stage, and I go to the bar, and I'm waiting for Billy to get done so I can have my ride home when a guy comes in, sits right down next to me and just starts staring at me and staring at me. And finally I go, what, what, what? what? Yeah. And he goes, you know, you're the worst comedian I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. And I go, gee, I, I really appreciate that. I really need to hear that now, thank you. And, and he said, but your material's not bad. Did you write it? And I said, yeah. He said, can I see more? I went, you bet. I didn't even ask who this was. <laughs> I, I, wish, I would have showed it to like a gardener at this particular point. It ends up, this is Lorne Michaels. And he's going from club to club and he's looking for um, you know, actors and writers for this new show that was gonna air in the fall, premiere in the fall. So I go back to my parents' house on Long Island and I stay up for two days straight and I type up what I believed were 1,100 of my best jokes. <laughs> and I, then I had to go back to New York to my meeting with him. And I was so nervous, I, I didn't know what to wear. I, um, I'm thinking, okay, young, hip producer, yeah. young, hip show. Oh, okay, I'll dress young. <laughs> How old are I'll you? I'll dress hip, I'm 24. <laughs> so I put on my father's maroon polyester leisure suit. <laughs> I look like a big blood clot sitting on the uh, train. And I go to the city, and um, I think he was staying, if memory serves, at the Plaza Hotel. My meeting was at 2 o'clock, and I was really nervous, didn't want to get there, you know, didn't want to be late, so I got there like 7 in the morning. And, um, <laughs> and I'm waiting, and um, there's no cell phones, there's a pay phone. Yeah. I call Billy Crystal, because yeah. he had been spending time with Lauren. Um, you know, they had dinners, they were talking about doing stuff together, maybe Billy being on the show. And I said, listen, I got this uh, interview with this guy at two o'clock. Anything you can tell me about him to give me sort of like a leg up, you know, this interview. He said, well, he used to write for Woody Allen. He's produced Monty Python specials. Oh, and he hates mimes. Lorne hates mimes, okay? <laughs> I go, gotcha, you know, I'm working in a deli. I'm, yeah. I'm writing jokes, I'm nervous. I wanna yeah. be prepared. I go upstairs at two o'clock, and I sit at the edge of the bed, and he pulls up a chair, and I give him this big, you know, tome of 1,100 jokes, right? He opens it up, he reads the first joke, and he goes, uh-huh, <laughs> closes the book. <laughs> I'm up for two days straight, typing yeah. every joke I've ever heard yeah, in my yeah. life, okay? Yeah. Bazooka bubblegum jokes, they're yeah. all in there. <laughs> he reads one joke, and to show you how long ago this was from the, um, the reference points in the joke, I, I had written this joke saying that the post office was about to issue a stamp commemorating prostitution in the United States. 10 cent stamp, if you want to lick it, it's a quarter, yeah, okay? Yeah. And uh, he went, good. It's good. Very, very good. He said, uh, how much money do you need to live on? I said, well, I'm making $2.75 an hour at the deli. <laughs> Match it. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so he said, well, tell me a little bit more about yourself, which I took to, you know, mean that before he committed to this kind of cash, he wanted to see what he was buying. <laughs> so I said, well, look, you know, Woody Allen's my idol. Love Monty Python. <laughs> There's one fucking mime on this show. I am out of here. And he gave me a job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> So I really hope I answered your question, by the way. No, it was great. <laughs> I, it was a great show. I, um, what, what were the sketches that you were, prime, you were responsible for in, in the first season? Well, it was so collaborative. You know, um, I wrote most of John Belushi's uh, Samurais. Um, that, that was not my creation. John uh, auditioned for the show with that. And Tom Schiller, one of the other writers, wrote Samurai Hotel when Richard Pryor yeah, hosted yeah, yeah. But when Buck Henry hosted the 11th show, Lauren said to me, you worked in the deli, right? I went, yeah. He goes, okay, you write Samurai Delicatessen. I go, you bet. And I go, what's that, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and then I wrote all the rest after that. And with Gilda, who was like my buddy, um, you know, look, like I said, it was collaborative. I had a hand in um, uh, Emily Latella, which yeah. was a little old lady that sure. she did. And uh, another character called uh, Roseanne Rosanna Danner yeah. that we did together back then. Yeah. I, you know, I'm sort of uh, obsessed with uh, Lorne Michaels, and, um, and I talk to everybody who has had any contact with him for any amount of time for some sort of weird inside information about him. So you knew him when he was like, what, 25? I mean, how old was he? No, he was he 31 him? when the show started. And was he uh, a, a nice guy? Or? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I owe him my whole career. He's, I didn't um, ask you that, I Alan. do. I, <laughs> I think, he, to me, he's been a great guy. Okay, Okay, right. I can't, um, you know... No, I'm sure he is. I just don't... Under, no, it's all right. I, 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 <laughs> Look at your face. <laughs> <laughs> but like... Like, like Chris you, yeah. Do you think he's sort of the best of the Midwest contest? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that, that first season became sort of, when, when I had a meeting with him, this was probably 95, 94, 95. And I was, I grew up on the, on the, the first few seasons that right. you, wrote, you wrote on. And I, and that was mythologized in my mind. It's like, no one's ever going to be as good as those guys. And he was very quick to say, oh no, there's been many good casts, you know. And it, how, how do you feel about that in terms of like, you know, working with that, that first crew that defined that show? I mean, do you, you know, when you look at the whole arc of SNL, do you, do you agree that there have been like a lot of great I, I, I must tell you, I look at the show that's on the air now, and I contend that there are three or four guys, actors on that show that could have been in any cast in any era. I mean, I, Kristen Wiig is a genius as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I think that Fred Armisen is great. I, 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 I think that Keenan is a riot. I think Seth does Weekend Update as, as good as anybody did. So it's a show that it's been on for 37 years, for God's sake. And, you know, every time you think that they're, you know, sort of on like spindly legs, all of a sudden Lovitz comes along, or, or Adam Sandler, or Will Farrell, or Tina Fey, for God's sake, who's a genius, you know. So, um, you know, yeah. I do. I, I honestly do. And you did, uh, you worked with uh, the, the, that first Gary Shandling show. I helped, um, me and Gary co-created It's Gary Shandling Show, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, well, he's, a, he's a trip, huh? Well, you know something? 
it was so odd because it was like, for me, it was like lightning struck twice. It's yeah. a second time because when SNL, Gilda and I found each other and we helped create, you know, part of this big thing, which helped shape late night variety. And now when it's Gary Shandling's show came on, it was um, cable. Cable had not really had any um, original comedies at that point, and um, we, we we had a lot of fun with each other. Yeah, know? he's a, he, like I, he's one of those guys where you talk to him, and, and all of a sudden you realize that he's in his own time zone, and now you're in it. Well, yeah. He's in his own time zone. He's yeah. in his own climate. He, uh, <laughs> but Gary Shandling is one of the smartest people I've ever met. He's a genius. He is so funny, but yeah, he he operates on a different plane. I and, agree with and you. And same with uh, same with Larry. Larry David has been my best friend since 1974. And um, I got to tell you, we <laughs> when we all started, when we were at the clubs, we used to sit in the back of the improv and just, he was the comic's comic. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you were a comic, and let's say somebody was on at 9 o'clock, you know that you would get on at 9.20. Right. Right? Yeah. And so you got there around then, because, you know, that's the time you went on. If you, you were following Larry and he was on at nine o'clock, you also got there at nine o'clock because I remember he, on a Friday night, he would get up, and you understand this is 74, he, he had hair like Brillo. It was like, um, <laughs> he looked like Larry Fine from the Three Stooges, that hair, okay? Wire rim glasses, he had a green army fatigue, and, he, and, and on a Friday or Saturday night at the improv with these blue-haired ladies. Yeah from Jersey and Long Island, yeah. schlepping their husbands with the, with the lime pants into the, into the club. And, you know, it was just middle of the road at best. And Larry would get on, and he'd look at them, and he'd go, I feel very comfortable with you people. <laughs> In fact, I feel so comfortable, I'm considering using the to form of the verb. <laughs> And then usually, if a comic starts off and the joke doesn't work, you know, he goes a different way. Because trust me, when he said, I want, you know, using two form instead of usted, this was an oil painting, okay? Yeah. Everyone was just looking at him. Yeah. But Larry just kept going, okay? He said, I think a lot of people misuse the two form of the verb. <laughs> when he stabbed Caesar, he looked at Brutus and said, A2, Brutus? And even Brutus said, Caesar, I just stabbed you. If there was ever time for Usted, it's now. <laughs> and there's tumbleweed going down the aisles of the improv. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's just like, like that. <laughs> and he goes, ah, fuck you. And he walk off. <laughs> and I get on at 901, okay? <laughs> so Larry always operates. Larry was, um, it's to this day, is um, also exists on a different... Um, Plain than yeah. most people. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's hilarious. So tell me about like I don't want to not do the the book thing, and we'll bring Kevin out here. The book you wrote with Dave Barry. Is I, I, I co-authored a book with uh, Dave Barry. You guys familiar with Dave Barry? We we um, it's out now. It's called Lunatics, and I live in Jersey. He lives 1,500 miles away in Coral Gables, Florida, and I called him. I said we got to do a novel together. He said how are we going to do this? So we came up with a situation where a, um, a girl, a 10-year-old girl, is in a local soccer league, 
a ref calls her offsides when she kicks what would be the winning goal in a championship game. Her father, an overzealous soccer dad, goes berserk. So I said, look, let's have the two of them have a feud. Yeah. You play the soccer dad, I'll play the ref, I'll be the voice of the ref, we'll alternate chapters, and let's see where this feud goes, where it escalates to. And as a result of this feud, um, <clears throat> democracy came to Cuba. <laughs> Two million bananas were deposited on the shore of Somalia, so the famine was taken care of. There was peace in the Middle East, so it was really fun. And the movie rights were just bought by Universal with Steve Carell attached to play one of the leads. Wow. Yeah. Alan's wife, Elle, ladies and gentlemen. Lunatics. That was great. You good? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, from the show Weeds and also the former anchor of Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live, Kevin Nealon. Nice to see you. Thank you. Sorry. You guys can stay on mic because I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> Do you have a mic stand for this? No, you're okay. on your own. Hey, I you? have so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, how did it go with the thing? Oh, it went really good with the thing. Yeah? Yeah, Alan killed. He just did it twice. <laughs> He's killed twice. I know it. It was... Uh, Kevin did a weekend update, including um, one of his subliminal uh, editorials that he wrote like five minutes before this he went guy. on. This guy over and here, he this guy. About 45, 50, maybe two hours of stand-up. Three hours. It's funny, you know, people always say, oh, did you see Chappelle last night? He did three hours of stand-up. Yeah. I could never sit through anybody's act. For I don't care if it's I'm laughing like hilariously. I got to leave, you know? I got to go to the bathroom. I got to eat, you know? I never understood it either. Like, there was this weird, like, people were trying. There's some guy in England did, like, 24 hours straight. And I'm like, yeah, but how fucking funny could that be, really? I mean, I would think, like, 19 hours in when there's only two people there, he's getting away with something. Yeah. I could see, you know, if someone's having sex for 24 hours, I say, oh, that's great, man, that's great. Yeah, that's something. You know, how do they do that? Yeah, well, I don't know how happy that woman would be. I think she would be... Uh, I didn't say with the same woman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy to be with a woman that's like, you know, just, you know, take it easy. <laughs> we don't have to do this for an hour. Yeah. Let's just finish up and move on. Uh, that's a gift. My wife said to me the other night, she said, you want to have sex? I said... And I was really tired. I said, let me see what I could do. She said, you sound like a banker. <laughs> How'd it go? Um, I don't know. I fell asleep. <laughs> so when, I don't think, how, many, how long did you do comedy before you did SNL? Because um, you were just a comedy guy, right? I was always, a, I still am just a comedy guy. I'm, I'm always a stand-up. You yeah. know, the other stuff was just kind of like, you know, extra credit. But, you know, I started doing stand-up. It's what I wanted to do. And, you know, Saturday Night Live came along and uh, Weeds and uh, some other shows that never went anywhere. And, uh, but I always kept going back. I kept doing stand-up throughout my years on Saturday Night Live. I was still doing stand-up. And it's funny. Sometimes I go to a club and the guy will go, so when did you get back into stand-up? I said, no, no, no. I never left stand-up. I've always been doing it. It's nice that it's there, right? Yeah. It's good to fall. I feel bad for actors that don't have stand-up to fall out, back on, you know, because... I don't know what they do. I don't either. Do you know what actors do? I have no idea what they do. Do you know what they do, Alan? I, mean, I haven't a clue. <laughs> I, 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 I've met some, and I still don't know. 
I think they go in Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> they start reality That's true. Shows. Would you ever do that? They asked me to do that, I think, the third year in. Yeah. And um, I was thinking about it for about a week. But I was in a, a point in my life when I was really tired. I must have had Epstein-Barr or something. But not, not know it. You know Isn't that I mean? weird that that, that, that that virus completely left the culture? Like, no one even yeah. says Epstein-Barr anymore. I thought it was funny when Roseanne Barr said she had Epstein-Barr disease. <laughs> thought, How could that be? But I felt really tired for, like, you know, a couple of months where I couldn't get off the couch. And yeah. I thought, I can't do this. Besides, the people that were doing it were kind of, like, on their way down, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or on their way up. And um, I felt that I was not quite there yet. You know, on either end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and so a lot of, you know, L.A. disc jockeys were saying, Neilan shouldn't do that show. He should not do that show. So I thought maybe they're right. And then wouldn't you know, like a year or two later, they're all doing it. Yeah. You know, like Corolla <laughs> and everybody. Yeah, 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 they're doing the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. That's do you have any good Lauren stories? I mean, was he uh... <laughs> Lauren stories? Yeah, Lauren stories. Like, yeah, I got tons of them. A nice guy or... You know what? I got. I was just telling. Uh, help me again with your name, Alan. Alan with one L. Yeah. <laughs> I was just telling Alan. I said, you know what? A lot of people have like negative stories. Not a lot, but you know, I've not negative met stories. One, not one of the SNL people. I, has I like Lauren. I'm, I never wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, I would have done it if they asked me, and they did. But I was never like. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, I was never. I was never pursuing it. You know, because I didn't do characters. I wasn't an improv player. I didn't do sketches. I was a stand-up. That's what I wanted to be. And, um, and then Dana Carvey uh, used to rent a room over the garage in this house that I lived in, in the Hollywood Hills, with a couple other comics. Yeah. And um, so we what knew each comics? other from What other comics? Oh, you know, Richard Pryor and uh, a couple other guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, uh, Bob Duback and, and then a writer friend of mine, Joe Bob Kenny. Bob Duback. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, I was dating Jan Hooks. She was up for the show. Right. Dana had gotten the show that summer. And... Um, and, um, and then Dana goes to New York, and I'm, I'm reading Backstage Live at Saturday Night Live, living vicariously through them. I thought, this is so exciting. They're about to go to what this book is talking about. Yeah. And, um, and I was happy for both of them. Jan wasn't, hadn't been signed up yet. And, um, and so Dana calls me from Lauren Michaels' house in Amagansett. He goes, hey, you're not going to believe this. I'm in the back room at Lauren Michaels' house. And uh, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd are out in the kitchen. I said, you're kidding me. They're in the kitchen? He goes, yeah, I'm in the back bedroom. He said, I told them about you because they're looking for one more cast member. And I think they're going to want you to send their tapes in. I said, how tall is Chevy Chase? Is he like, you know, is he, uh, you know. And then, uh, so I didn't think anything of it because, you know, I'm a stand-up comic. Yeah, they're not yeah. going to want me. And um, plus, I would be terrified to do that show. Yeah. And so um, a week goes by. You know, I send in my tapes. They want to see my tapes. I send them in. I think, oh, whatever. You know, I'll never hear back from them again. You know, it's me on the Tonight Show, Evening at the Improv, stuff like that. And um, so a week later, Dana calls me. Hey, I'm back out at Lauren's house. I'm in a back bedroom, same bedroom. Guess who's out in the kitchen? Paul Simon. Paul Simon and um, it was somebody else. I said, Martin really? Luther King. Yeah, it was Martin Luther King. It was Martin Luther King. <laughs> junior, junior. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, he said... Um, he said, I think they liked your tape. I think they're going to fly you in for an audition. Yeah. I thought, no way. That's not going to happen. But seriously, Paul Simon was out there. You know? <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah. This is a nice house. A nice house. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's huge. And so, uh, <laughs> and so uh, a week goes by, and I hear that they want to fly me in for an audition. Yeah. And I thought, seriously? Yeah. You know? And, uh, 
and so I get on the plane thinking, and this is a, it happens all the time in Hollywood. You think you're like one of the few that are going to go in and audition, and I get on the plane. It's like the plane is full of people going to audition. <laughs> Even the pilot, the pilot comes out of the cockpit. Hey, do you think this character, Lauren, will like this? You know. <laughs> and so again, I'm not thinking anything of it. I think I'll humor them. I'll go in and audition for it. Yeah. And so I get up to Studio 888H and. Um, I'm waiting outside. Everybody else is nervous, yeah. and I don't care because I know I'm never going to get the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, so I go in. They call me in there, and um, they had a camera set up, and Lorne Michaels was sitting on the bleachers with Dana Carvey, Dennis Miller, John Lovitz, Nora Dunn, and A. Whitney uh, Brown. Yeah, and I'm and I'm just doing like some stand-up that I did on the Tonight Show, and uh, a couple of characters Dana and I used to uh, fiddle with. A couple of Sammys I did. Uh, yeah. These two guys uh, who just live in the basement. They never never really went anywhere. But anyway. <laughs> Um, but I got the shit. I got the shit. Yeah. And, uh, and so Lauren Michaels, now comes the Lauren Michaels story. So I go back out to LA, I audition, and he comes out, flies out, meets me at my manager's, who he, he was also represented by. Bernie both, Goldstein. Yeah, but Brad Gray. But Brad. he wasn't even my manager yet. I would always like say, Brad, you know, do you want to manage me? He goes, no, I don't, you know, I'll work with you, but, you know, we can't take out any more people. That's a bad impression, but... I know who it was. When yeah. The minute you said it. It's a, yeah. it's a brilliant uh, Brad Gray, and yeah, I, just I think a lot it. of people here appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Lauren Michaels is in Brad Gray's office, and I come in there, we meet, hello, hello, and he, um, he talked for about an hour about Saturday Night Live and mm -hmm. the cast, mm -hmm. and I was just, mm -hmm. and then he excused himself to go to the bathroom, and... This is how naive I was. You know, Brad Gray was managing Lauren Michaels. Right. And uh, I said, well, what do you think? Uh, what do you think, uh, Brad? He goes, I think we gotta let him tell, you know, tell him we're gonna wait for the weekend and think about it, you know, and uh, we'll let him know on Monday. So I said, that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, power play. <laughs> Little did I know that Brad probably had this all set up with, uh, you know. <laughs> he already knew the answer before the yeah, meeting, yeah. yeah. I was like that guy in that pedophile show. You know, it's a setup. It's a setup. <laughs> so, so uh, what was the name of that show? The pedophile show. To catch, to a, catch, predator. A, to catch a predator. To catch a predator. 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 There's also Predator Raw. Wait, is there? Too. I, I I heard about it. I've never <laughs> seen it. No. <laughs> MSNBC after the news. Sure. I don't know anything yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. So he comes back into the office yeah. and uh, he goes, "Well, what do you think?" I said, well, let me think about it over the weekend. And he goes, well, you think about it over the weekend, and we'll see you in New York on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> did you have that thing with that? Like, I talked to Norm about it. As a comic, did you feel different than the people that were improv people? Like, uh, you know, you felt they were a little more qualified for the job. Yeah. But it all kind of hashed out in the end. I mean, you know, I was there, stand-up. Dana was a stand-up. Uh, a. Whitney Brown was a stand-up comic. Uh, How's he doing? I think he's doing well. He got married. Yeah. He always had my favorite joke. What he is a it? joke. He goes, oh, there's so many people in China. That's how he talks. It sounds like Brad Gray a little bit. He said, uh, there's like a billion people in China. So even if you're a one in a million kind of guy, there's like 500,000 people just like you. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the number is. I'm not good with math. <laughs> That's a pretty good joke, right, Alan? It's a real good joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's like $10 worth right yeah, there. That's the kind of joke, like a... I, I verbally retweeted that joke, that joke right great. now. Huh? I verbally retweeted that joke right now. <laughs> Just out. Alan, let me ask you real quick. Al Franken, do you... Where the hell is our waiter? I'm sorry. Uh, can we get Mr. Nealon whatever he needs? 
Like Al, like Al Franken is. Do you still talk to him? I spoke to him uh, a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact. Is he, now is as a senator? Is he still funny? He's real funny. He's so fucking funny, right? Say that again. He's so fucking funny, but he's don't a riot. And you know something? I think it took a little while for him to figure out how he should behave seriously in the Senate halls. And uh, he was. Got, I think he finally got his footing, and I think he's comfortable being funny there. But he couldn't be too funny because he wanted to be taken seriously. Right. You know. And, it must be so um, hard. But, and every time I speak to him, he's Franken again, and he's really passionate about being a senator. He's a very good senator. And, but, you know, he's still a comedy guy. Yeah. He's still really, you know, yeah. he always asks, how's everybody doing? And he, he sent Billy Crystal some jokes for the Oscar. He did? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's got his hand in everything. Yeah, yeah Franken's funny, yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, all right, Kevin. Yeah. I did some when did you shave your beard? I, it comes and goes. I, uh, you you know, know, I had one of these little things. You did. Soul patch? Sure. Or flavor saver, as yeah. Alan calls them. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel so, um, I feel so um, self-conscious about it because yeah. I've never had anything on my face except so the you, nose. You can't be self-conscious about it. You got to own that shit. Yeah. You can't sit there and like you know. But I would have it for a while, and then if I saw somebody else in the room that had one too, I'd go home and shave it off right away. it's basically my it was my way of reinventing myself. Yeah. I just start a little bit. Yeah. And people say, "What's that?" I said, "I'm reinventing myself." <laughs> it's the new Kevin Nealon. Yeah. Well, yeah. when I see people with this one, you really feel like an asshole because this one's very specific. It's a, like the Civil War thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah so you need, when you I see someone have... like this, you, you have that weird moment. You're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 Who's going to leave first? Because I don't think we could be here together. I was doing a TV show last week called Hot in Cleveland. You ever no, see that? Yeah, I heard I've about never, it. I've never seen that show. But I, I went on there, and the script was really, they were fun, and the girls were all fun to work with, but I had to make out with uh, Jane Leaves, the no. English girl from Frasier. Really? Yeah, she's hot. Yeah. She's really hot. And, and, uh, but I had that little uh, flavor saver there. And? And um, so I, I felt self-conscious about it, because, yeah. you know, I felt I wouldn't want to kiss a guy that had that there, you know, or any guy, for that yeah. matter. You know. It was to me. It was like having long nose hairs. Oh, yeah. you know. Like, <laughs> Did you shave it then? Yeah. Yeah. Do you get hairs growing out of your ears yet? Yeah. I mean, mine yeah. are so like strong. It's like I'll be on the phone. They'll be dialing other numbers. <laughs> they'll be poking the numbers. <laughs> uh, you know, the the things going beep 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 beep, and the people people on the other side going, "What's going on with your phone?" I said, "I don't know." I take it around and it's beep, my. Beep, beep. <laughs> Yeah, I have a, there's a weird moment now because I date a woman who's, uh, who's younger than me and, and every so often I get this, we have to do your ears. <laughs> do you know what I realize that women love to do? What? They love to squeeze uh, the pimples and blackheads on your back. Every woman loves mine, to do that. Yeah, no, mine did yeah. one on my, on my butt the other day. That was amazing. There was like, I had one blackhead. She's like, ooh, we got to pop that. And then I don't know how to feel about that when you're just sitting there like, are you doing it? Are you doing it? Are you doing it? You know what I think it is? I think it goes back to primates where they like, you Pink know, go and look sure. for things, sure. you know? Well, mine does that with the lice, too. <laughs> just in your hair yeah, in your ears? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah I have problems, you know what I mean? It's weird with bed bugs and everything. <laughs> I'm learning nothing here. I'm no, just, uh... <laughs> <laughs> nothing that I could ever use ever, but I'm fascinated at the same time. Wait, you, yeah. don't, you don't have the a pimple popping wife? Oh, no, my wife, she, she goes, it's time for a cleaning, and she'll take my nose like it's not attached to my face, go like that. <laughs> yeah, and she'll, you know, I don't go get only the guys. Of it today, next week. I don't get the guys who have like 
hair going out of the front of their nose. You don't get and, them? And they don't shave it. Yeah, I, I don't, I, well, I think they're, yeah, why, I often wonder about that with a lot of hair coming out of people. That, like, why don't you shave that? I think the fear is that it'll come back thicker, and then you got a real problem if you've got, like, a, a, a full soul patch on the top of your nose. <laughs> so if you're married, you just get to attack? What? If you're married, you just get to attack the guy's face and shave him and pop him. Yeah. Yeah. Do whatever you want, yeah, because we're just happy you're there. I'm not ba- that's not a bad, uh, not bad pitch. I might have to consider marriage. <laughs> Kevin Nealon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, from Ohio, a Midwestern boy, Drew Hastings, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Over here, buddy. This is the wild man. Pick up that mic, my friend. Thank you. How are you? Well, I was getting worried because you had me at the last. And uh, as, uh, anyway, I was yeah. sick yesterday, so I wasn't doing well. I had food poisoning, and I ate amphetamines to do the show tonight. And That's I funny. timed them all wrong. I thought I was coming on first. I'm like, now I'm starting to work down. I'm like, fuck. He, what the fuck? He was going to have me on here. Somebody I was get, buzzed an hour ago. Get, get Mr. Hastings more amphetamines. <laughs> Where do you even get amphetamines now? What year is it? Did you, get, did you, say, did you take some bennies? No, I get them. Y'all hopped up on the bennies? No, I get them. They're dex- dextroamphetamines. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. There's some of the, the uh, behind-the-counter Benadryl. No, it's just I get, them, I get them prescribed to me. But you have to go in every month as a controlled substance. You have to go in every month. Or send a guy. Just, just say you're me or give, use a different name. Yeah, I, I can you, do that. So that you get real amphetamines? Good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah. It, makes, it keeps you clear. It keeps you young. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> so what happened? You got, uh, you got food poisoning? Yeah, I got some food poisoning better? off sushi, which is no fun, right? Oh, my God. Where'd you eat that sushi? Um, someplace called Naked Chopsticks. I Here? Think no, no, down in Where? Indianapolis. So you ate sushi in Indianapolis, Indianapolis. and you thought that was okay? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have a rule against landlocked sushi. <laughs> I won't do it. I know it's all frozen, but I just won't fucking do it. Uh-huh. Okay. I, you are a myth. Like, I have heard so many different things about you. I need validation on some things. <laughs> okay. Were you or were you not a fur trapper? Yes, I trapped uh, early on. I was a trapper in the uh, late 60s because you couldn't get a job back then. I mean, I'm So that was the only thing available, fur trapper? Well, you could, be a, you could be a bag boy at the grocery store. They had that kind of job then. You could be a bag boy, remember? Where did you live? I lived in Dayton, Ohio. So in Dayton, Ohio, the only and available jobs. And I had jobs. long hair, and you couldn't get a job. Those days, they could just say, fuck you, hippie. We ain't so, so it was bag boy or fur trapper? <laughs> yeah, and I thought, it would be, I thought it would be exotic. It would be a way. I was kind of a geek, and I was just like, this would be a way to get women. You know, <laughs> would you like me to make you a muff? <laughs> you know, like a, you know, I mean, seriously, like I could make you a, a stole or something. And, uh, and I literally would uh, trap muskrats. And then skin them. I lived in an apartment complex, my mother and sister and I. And I would skin them in the laundry room. And people would come in and there was, in the laundry sink, there was guts and stuff. And people would come in like, what the fuck? (laughs) And uh, I was terrified. I was... um, I didn't like doing it. I wasn't... You know how people get into medical... But wait, you were a fur trapper who lived in an apartment complex. (laughs) Well, yes. So are you really a fur trapper? Yes, I was trapping. No, but I mean, what you just I had a go whole out. line of traps. I had a whole line. You have a line of traps. But you would just drive from an apartment complex. You weren't like I wouldn't up in the mountains drive. with big parkas on and pelts. You well, were no, at your mother's house. You went behind the shopping center and went on past where the <laughs> developments ended. 
that's different. And you went out into the woods. But that's not a fur trapper. That's a kid with traps. But I romanticized it. I mean, it was... I was a fur trapper. I, here's what it was. American tra- Michigan knows this. Michigan was founded on trapping. And in the 1760s, 1770s, they say that a man could walk across rivers in Michigan uh, on the backs of beaver without ever touching the water. And by 1780 or 1820, they were all tapped out. And uh, they were all no tapped out. No more beaver. There was no more beaver. And they, and, and they said by 1980 or whatever, a man would have to be a fucking fool to trap. And that was the year I started because I thought, well, nobody else is doing but this. But it sounds like you weren't, you weren't going after beaver. No, I was going after muskrat. It's a shittier pelt, but it's a... Uh... <laughs> okay, so let's, that's now, what we had. let's continue. Working his way up yes. to beaver yeah. with the muskrat. Did you, yeah. But you were trying to get beaver with your muskrats. Yes, kind of. Yes. I think we established that. Yes, and I'd see, right, so I let's have move some on fine to the, furs. The, other, like mi- this, the yes. other part of the uh, Hastings myth, that you invented some sort of file-saving system. No, no, I didn't. I was in the document shredding business. Oh, and I didn't, I got in trouble. I was always, um, I was always good at selling a plan, but not good at operations. So and you, so you, I you, sold that, uh, I was one of the first guys in the Midwest to do that. And we, and I bought do the shredding? shredder. You know, they say that a, the, a, the easiest person to sell is kind of a salesperson. That's, right. Right. And they told me, well, you can shred, make a ton of money. And I bought this shredder. It was called like the Shredmax 2000. And I was, oh, that's 2000. That's a big number. This is, this is before you could buy a shredder at, at Costco. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This so you, was like in the 80s. And I was like, oh, I got the shredder, which was just... And, and we would get in semi-trucks of paper every day. I mean, mammograms and shit from women's clinics and, 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 and Bhopal India litigation and all kinds of shit. And I was like, fuck. And I had this shredder like literally... Meh. Meh. Jam. Meh. I was literally picking shit up like major confidential stuff and throwing into dumpsters driving around town. It was like the Lucy. Remember the Lucy in the Pies episode where the pies keep yeah. coming by and she's yeah. trying to keep up? That's what was going on. Yeah. And I ultimately had about a 40,000 square foot warehouse full of paper I'd already been paid to shred and hadn't shredded. And, uh,. And, that, and I, I went into stand-up not long after that, actually. But, well, what happened? To the, did you get busted for being a bad shredder? No, civil. I went in a civil suit. I, I, was, I, was, I was charged civilly, which is what you want to do, as you know. You don't want to... But, uh, but I heard you sold this massive shredding business. No, no, no. I sold it, um, and it gave me enough seed money, basically, to go out and become a... Comedian. What did, what did you sell though? The shredder or the idea? The service. The I would s- sell the service. We will shred your paper. <laughs> and there's someone bought that from you? This was the Ollie North. It was the, the Go Go 80s. <laughs> Ollie North had just come out. People were giddy. So this was hot. Shredding was hot. Deregulation, everything. It was hot, dude. <laughs> Fuck yeah. You were, God, a captain of American bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> you can, I'm not judging you. Spin. No, I'm not judging you. It's just like we went from fur trapper to muskrat kid, and from you know selling a multi-million-dollar shredding business to a it guy. wasn't multi-million dollars. It, 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 it was like twenty thousand dollars, which was a huge amount of money to me. At the Did time. you get rid of the shredder at least? Well, it was it was repossessed. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And then you went into stand-up. And then I went into stand-up. I was in my early 30s. And you did stand-up for a long time. 24 years now, I guess. 23, something like that, anyway. And what's the story behind, like, I, I, you, I remember you did the show about, what was it, a, uh, it was like a Tony Robbins character, a business, what was the name? That like? was fun. I still love doing that. I don't know what, what was to do it called? Jack Freeman. Right. Because I grew up, you know, I was one of those guys in the... Uh, in the um, early 80s and stuff, I was fascinated with those um, motivational speakers. And, you know, th and this was even before Tony Robbins. You know, these were the guys that were like, you know, I have two withered limbs and a clouded eye, and I sold over $6 million in life insurance in one year. I'm like, Jesus, this guy's just a head on a fucking skateboard, and he's selling. Oh, fuck. And I grew up on those guys. It was like, you know, Zig Ziglar, see you at the top. And it was all cheesy shit you'd listen to on cassettes. Yeah, I could make a lot of fucking money. And, but I was fascinated by those guys because they were really just nothing more than used car salesmen with a fucking spin. Hucksters, yeah. Yeah, hucksters. But, I, but so when I was in L.A. and Bob Odenkirk actually got behind and directed that show. And, he, uh, and I was fascinated with that, that character, that, um, the, the uh, motivational speaker who was actually a loser, you know? <laughs> I mean, ideally, I'd wanted to do them with the two airlines and pulling the tank, you know. Yeah. I've made a ton of money. But, uh, yeah. It was yeah. fun. It was a lot of fun. But was there, like, now, because I know that Jason Alexander did a show based on something like that. Yes, and to this day, I think he stole that from me, yes. Have you addressed that with him? No, fuck him. Yeah. yeah. That's his spirit. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm very, you know. No. Now, okay, now let's get to this, like, shh, what's going on over there? What some, is going on over there? Some of Alexander's people. Is, what's going on? All right, so why don't, they, why don't they leave then? Okay, buddy, let's relax. All right, well, you're doing it very quietly, and I appreciate that. This is being handled so delicately. Yeah, I know, buddy. I know. You, everything's going to work out for you. You're on the right side of this predicament. Uh. Yeah, there's a good way and a bad way to handle this. I think just mm -hmm. like stopping the show cold. Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. Yeah, and then sort is of the best way. Draw as much attention to it as possible. Oh, exactly. Because clearly there's some sort of debate going on. Because whenever someone's kicked out of a place, you're like, why? I was just talking. Yeah. That's right. All of a sudden you can't talk? Okay, looks like it's been resolved. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Looks like some seats. Might be some free seats. Now, buddy, are you okay? You need a brownie or something? You sound pretty worked up. You want a brownie? But I, well, that's what we're trying to find out. You just, you just got the job as my intern food taster. There you go. That's the spirit. All right. Here, you eat one of these and just sit here. Did you I don't know what it is. Did he just ask you if that was vegan? Yeah, just sit there. Get picky. I just heard the tone in your voice. You're about to blow like your Midwestern heart up. I like him. He's like, he's like, the, he's like huh? the poor man's Andy Richter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give, him a, give him a microphone. He's so sweet. Oh. It's that Michigan... Midwestern, like, I'm going to button up my shirt and kick their, like, where are you from? Uh, England, actually. You're so mad about Wait it. Wait a minute. Did he just say he's from England? I'm not 
Did that just, is there an England, Michigan? You're from England, England? You're not selling this at all. I don't know if you're familiar with the accent, but maybe if you're gonna, if you're familiar with, if, if you're bullshitting, he's much better at it than you. you all right, so you're from Atlanta. But I don't really, I don't sound like that either. No. And you're black too, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's as believable as the English thing, I thought. Why not? Are you going to, you're all right right there? All right. Well, yeah, just check in every once in a while if something starts happening because of the bronze. What's your name, buddy? John. John from England. Thank you, John. Oh, he was kind of perched like a gargoyle. <laughs> so, uh, so Hastings, what's, yes. uh, now you're fucking mayor. No, yes, mayor. I hear of you own city, like yes. part of Ohio. Like, I, here's the other part of your myth. It's like because like I talk to comics and you're yeah. sort of a mythic figure. And like here's here's roughly the story I got. He owns a city. And what? now he's mayor of it. <laughs> I don't own a city. He w- he was on a farm and yeah, then he farm. bought the town. No, I didn't buy a town. I'm into historic buildings. And the Midwest, as Michigan knows. This was one of them, dude. Well, this, this, this town, Grand Rapids, is doing okay, I thank God. But this theater but had you a tree the growing Flint. in the it. The city that I'm mayor of is yeah. kind of like the Flint of Ohio. Okay. So, we got a lot of fucking work to do. So, you're saying you bought cheap. So, when, cheap, you say, when you... I say I bought, I, I'm the largest commercial property owner uptown, it means I bought three fucking buildings for under 60000 apiece. You know. You bought I mean, a foreclosure town. A for, essentially, yeah. <laughs> essentially. But you what know. are you building up there, Drew? What's the fucking vision here? Well, uh, I, you know what? I just think uh, my personal opinion is this country is going to hell in a fucking handbasket. You're the only one who and thinks I cannot, that. And I can't do anything about that, but I can do something about one fucking corner where I live. And that's okay. what I did. Okay. You know, and so. and uh, that's, so are you going to open that up to the public as a refuge for the rest of us who think it's going well, to hell trying, in a trying to do some things yeah i can marry people now i'm marrying people in mass this summer like timothy leary or like reverend sun young moon well, now you well, can pitch same person. thing yeah same thing Why you're not? gonna marry someone in mass yeah Hastings, marry, like, I, hundreds see, of people i'm concerned about what's happening here because <laughs> i see like i just see in your mind like the next the next line out of your mouth is like i'm gonna be on the money you know like i <laughs> But you know what, somebody, but you know, it's weird because I'm kind of a conservative dude in some ways and I'm not in other ways. And I, somebody asked me, called me last week, they called my office and my assistant said, uh, well, somebody wants you to marry their dogs. And I've got a thing, uh, I'm not real pro-animal activist anyway, because I'm in farming and livestock. So I'm, uh, and I think that story is... What does that mean? You don't like dogs? You'll kill a fucking dog? No, no, but what happened, they called and they said they wanted to marry dogs. And I said, you know, I got to be honest with you. You know, I'm not married. I'm not a big fan. I'm not, you know, I'm fucking no good at any relationships. But I was like, you know, if, if uh, uh, marriage, it seems like one of the tenets of marriage yeah. is monogamy. And I've never seen a dog walk across a fucking room without humping somebody's leg or some shit. Why, why I'm going to marry that? And then I thought, well, the vow has to start. Do you take this bitch? To, and I thought, I'm not going to fucking uh-huh. you know, degrade. The, right. So you decided on principle. I don't marry animals. Not, I don't marry, marry animals. animals. Well, that's yeah. pretty big, yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, they don't know when to take you seriously. I heard you talking about Franken um, and him as senator. And, you know, part of what I think what gave me an advantage is I went out when I, when I campaigned. I, I just was outrageous from the get-go. 
And um, so I would get away with stuff. Um, somebody asked me about marriage recently, and, I, and I'll say, like, well, I believe a marriage is between a man and what appears to be a woman. <laughs> and they'll look at me like, what the f Is he serious? <laughs> no, he's got to be kidding about that. <laughs> and I always keep him guessing. They don't really yeah. know. Is he serious about this shit? So, so that's how you won? By baffling them? Yeah. You they know who didn't know voted what to... in senior citizens. So they're confused Huge to begin numbers with. Of senior citizens. So they're confused. They think you're, you know, they're not sure whether that you're, that it's them or you that's confused. No, I think they liked um, old people like blunt. I've just turned out blunt, blunt, and I was blunt. I would go door to door and I'd say, I don't give a shit who your daddy is. I don't give a fuck who you play golf with. If it ain't for the taxpayer, it ain't gonna happen. And they were like, Well, you cuss a lot, young man, but I'm gonna vote for you anyway. <laughs> and I'm serious. And I would go, Well, thank you, ma'am. I try not to cuss around old ladies or little kids. And then they would vote for me. And, I, and Democrats who switched party, which mm. the hardest group to get behind me was Republicans. And I actually ran as a Republican. Yeah. And they, and they, and they, cause they couldn't believe I was like, you know, take yourself seriously. Well, yeah. druggy and all that shit. And they were like, well, this guy is not fucking Republican. And I was like, well, yeah, the fuck if I'm not. Yeah. I got these at Barry Goldwater's estate sale. When I was <laughs> <laughs> but you're Republican. Obviously you're not socially conservative. You just, uh, you don't want to pay taxes for anything. Yeah, 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 I get it. I try to, and you uh, don't care about poor people. No, I don't care about any people. You keep harping on poor people. I don't no, care because about like, I believe that a fiscal conservative, like as a, as a lefty, the, the, yeah. the obviously we share a lot of things in common. We're both, mm -hmm. we're both artistic people. Yeah. We want people to have freedom and do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. You just don't want to pay for taxes, and you think government is too big, and poor people should fend for yes, themselves. I think government is way too big, and, I think, and we should just kill the poor people. I don't think no. Oh. Kill is a little strong. Oh. There's a difference between kill and let die. Right. I mean, really. No, I know. I know that's why you There's don't want. There's a big difference. That's, why, that's a matter of. But that no. is why Republicans don't want national health care because the system needs a turnover, and they know that. But I don't think that. that I, you know what? I don't follow that whole national health care thing that much, but because I don't. Because it's like it's ridiculous. It's not going to happen in your mind, right? Well, no, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a fucking mess. But I, I'm a student of archaeology, and I love well, archaeology. No. So I, I, I know what's next. Eugenics wasn't a bad idea. And, uh, okay. Well, qualify. <laughs> Quali oh, really? I got to qualify eugenics? Okay. <laughs> it's not good to annihilate see, a race because you think they're different than you. you get people laughing about it. Oh, given that eugenics material. <laughs> so anyway, no, no, no. Uh, what was I? Oh, you were about to say that you're a Republican, but you're really a libertarian you know, I, who just doesn't give a fuck about anything. No, I do give a thing. No, but I look at the big. I, I look at the big picture. You know, uh, I, I think this is a wedge thing where they're talking about women and reproductive rights lately. Where this is the big thing, and I just think that's a distraction. And I, and I think um, as a student of our, as somebody who likes archaeology, yeah. you look at the big picture. Sure. And you say, you know, women are worried right now about this thing with health care and whether or not this is going to cover birth control. Who are the top? Tell me right off the top of your head, who are the top four or five immigrant groups that come into this country? The right top four or five? Where are they coming from? Uh, Mexico. Right. Uh, China. China. Um, the Latin America. Latin America. India. Sure, in and Africa. We have an exchange the program. The most patriarchal fucking countries. They're doing, if they're not throwing female babies in the rivers, they're doing clitorectomies or they're doing honor killings. Okay? I think These it's, are the four, I, it's not, it's the four like a, a generalization, biggest fucking but immigrant groups coming in this country. I, I don't know. I think clitor clitorectomy is specific, and I, I don't... <laughs> 
I wouldn't just throw that out well, there uh, like well, that. Okay. All right. But I get your point. So what is your point? So my point is, fr from when I look at things from an archaeological standpoint, you and I will be dead. But if you just go 80 years out, which right. is not long, right. those are the people that are all going to be running Congress and Senate in this country and you in want that, years. And you want that to be No, stopped. I don't want to be there. I'm saying <laughs> this is a we're the least of women's fucking problems. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're afraid that these other cultures are going to bring in their patriarchal systems and oppress women in their style after, well, after think, the white people pass, which is what you're getting at. Well, I think so. I think that's basically... Okay, I mean, so I think you're sort of a, a, If you, if you uh, look so at archaeology, that's the way... You're, you're kind of like a, a liberal white power guy. Without the bolts, without okay. the lightning bolts. Well, I'm glad we figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Hastings, I'm ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Are you ready, buddy? You're looking nervous back there. You want to hang out? No, All right, well, let's move down one. You want to hear? Don't lose your uh, your your uh, handkerchief. You're you're schwitzing a little, as my my uh, not so white people say. I um. I feel like I was supposed to have said something once clearly. No, you were great. Up, Just, but, uh, uh, yeah. No, it was great. I think we were good. I mean, yeah, he's fine. Um, my next guest is a, a powerful fucking comedian who is, uh, who is very funny, and he's up here. Uh, you just did the, the Bob and Tom show, right? And he tours all over the country. Please welcome Tommy John again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> nice to see you, man. Nice to see you. I know, it's a, I know you were waiting a long no, time. No, this is great. Uh, I'm going up at 104 on a show I was told that ended at 1. Uh-huh. Oh, is it so 104? I'm, so I, I feel like I'm the, the equivalent of the, uh, the guy on the end of a picture that gets photoshopped out when you make it your profile picture. I'm just fucking not a part of this anymore. A fake English guy in the audience got on before I did. Yeah. I just don't want to... I mean, I, I'm fine with it, but just a, a shitty guy ate a brownie and I watched it from backstage. So, you know, this is a legitimate credit now, yeah. doing your show. You yeah. created something from nothing. It was yeah. nothing. Yeah. You made it, and it's a legitimate credit for a comic uh, as myself. <laughs> like a new guy. I'm a new guy. Yeah. It's a real credit. Yeah. And this fucking guy ate a brownie on it before I even get to speak. I am so glad I got you fired up. But I will boy. tell you this. I will tell you this. What? I'm glad that you got my memo about getting rid of Alan and Kevin, because I will not come out with those motherfuckers out here. I just won't do it. What I want... That's what someone brought up in a note. Yeah, right here, the note says, get Alan and Kevin those, off before Tommy comes on. Get those racist motherfuckers out. <laughs> Tommy is uh, in a fighting mood. I'm sorry. Because he almost got in a fight last night for fucking real, man. That was the greatest fucking event I that I missed. Because yeah. I saw those guys. We were at that bar. What bar was that? Yeah. The Z's? Z's? Z's bar. And I walked into that bar, and these two dudes with, in camo walked out, and they, and they gave me the eye. They were like, what's up? They and I'm like, I know who everybody. you are. Right? Yeah. What? They were eyeballing everybody. I right. And then I left, though. But what the fuck happened? Well, I, I, first of all, I apologized to everyone who was a part of it. Uh, I've done that. Don't open with I, that. Uh, I, I didn't start drinking until three uh, years ago. So really? I'm getting a lot of shit out of my system. <laughs> and some of it yeah. apparently is confronting guys in camo. I just haven't <laughs> gone through that phase yet. I, I'm sorry. I'm a grown man and I'm doing it. So uh, we're leaving and there's a can on the ground. You're leaving oh, oh, oh. the bar, there, can We're on leaving the, the bar, can on the ground. Chad Daniels kicks the can. I give the can a heavy boot, like a yeah. solid Boom. fucking boot. Yeah. 
And this guy goes, pick the fucking can up. The and guy keep in camo. Walking. Camo guy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see guys. him at first. Two camo, Two camo guys. Uh, so I know you probably won't, but some people at home will laugh at that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I fucking, I, we keep walking, and he goes, pick up the fucking can. And I'm like, uh, okay. That was the second time. And then he goes, listen here, motherfuckers. And I told the group, I go, you know what, guys? I'm going to go back. I'm just going to talk to this guy for a second. Oh, you know? yeah. So I go back to a guy at 2.15 in the morning wearing camo, and I go, hey, you can't talk to people like that. I go, we're strangers. You don't know us. You don't speak to people like that. That's a huge mistake, and I apologize to my friends for it. Uh, then but what wait, happened, are you a fighter? Are you I'm, a fighting guy? I've been in a fight twice. I have a joke about one. You can Google my Letterman set if you want to do that. Uh, I'm not going to do the bit. Uh, but what happened was, that guy talks. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. I shouldn't be talking to this guy in a camouflage. I'm not a physical fighter guy. But in my mind, I'm like, he can't talk to people like that. Sure. Someone should tell him that yeah. he can't do that. And then... That the, boy wasn't properly parented. That and was I a think- mistake. <laughs> That's a mistake. The other mistake came when his friend goes, <laughs> his friend said something like, what do you say? What do you say to my friend? And I don't even look at him. I just point at him and I go, you shouldn't even be fucking talking right now. <laughs> and that causes him, he was like upset about That's it. That's always good when you look, you, you keep an eye contact. Yeah. I'm with keeping the, eye contact right, with this yeah. asshole. Who's, who's fucking You should be fucking be. talking. Yeah. So nice. I yell that. I yell that. At, also wearing camouflage, like it's a weird gay Sadie Hawkins dance. Uh, so I don't even know if you get the reference. Um, I don't, I'm moving on though. Uh, I go, you shouldn't be fucking talking right now. Uh, and then he tries to jump a banister, and the, uh, one of the uh, guys that his, his, I don't want to say his name, but he's also he's like a big part of running the festival, has to grab this dude, and then the dude elbows him, and then we move on. And uh, I didn't flinch, which was crazy, surprising. Um, and then he chases me down the street and I also, I just stand tall. That was my only, I don't have a fight move, but I'm like, I'm not backing down. Right. You've got the confidence of a guy with a CCW permit. (laughs) (laughs) And then Moshe Kasher gets this guy in a full Nelson. Very funny comedian, Moshe Kasher. Wow. And if you have any idea. I, I just want to frame that so people understand. A Jew... He's like... Don't the, ever think we're pussies. A Jew, Moshe yeah, Kasher. A, the Jewish Tommy Jonigan. Oh, is he here? Uh, thanks, Moshe. Is Moshe here? Do you, thanks, want, uh, you want to tell your thing uh, side of it? Uh, Moshe? Moshe the guy in the fight. Yeah. Where are you? Where? Yeah. Let's get Moshe because, up here. Well, yeah, he's here. Uh, what I want to... Yeah. All right. I think we've sealed also, the deal on no, me being edited no, out. Let me, let me, I gotta lay some rules down. No crowd work, we're telling a story. <laughs> now, just also not what you expected me to look like, right? Moshe Full Nelson's a guy. Right, but I want Moshe to tell, tell, I want you to tell me what, you, tell them what you told me about that move. Okay, I just saw him run at Tommy, and so I just thought, I didn't think. I thought I just ran to go protect my friend, and that's that's the kind We're of. We're not gangster. even great friends. I know. Like, it was. Here's what he he did way more than I would do for him. Even by thinking about it, it was a lot more than I would have done. To put it into context, Tommy and I have never even come close to hanging out in life. <laughs> I, like, basically don't know Moshe Tommy. And I, we're friends in the sense that I saw your photo on the elevator at the yeah. Grove at a bookstore. The right. I was like, oh, that's we're, guy know. we're friends in the right. sense right. that right. I look like the gay version of you, basically. <laughs> right. 
My stepdad thinks I look like the gay version of me, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, he called me and told me that. But so I ran up and I grabbed the guy and I did put him in something like a full Nelson. And then I, as I was holding him, I was smelling his like camouflaged back and feeling his girth in my arms. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And then he turns, and then he also has the thought, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he turns around, cocks his fist back, and then I thought, oh, I'm about to get knocked out for comedy's Tommy John again. <laughs> but and what was your first instinct and at so that moment? My mo what I did, and this is my real default in a fight, I found out now, is that I just f fully fetal positioned <laughs> up. <laughs> I just closed my eyes and I fetal positioned up and I thought, this is it. And then some time went by and nothing happened. And I opened my eyes and the guy was laid out on the ground. <laughs> True story. Do that, do that again. again. You make cowering look like performance. Art. <laughs> it does. It does. Buy my new book, Asher in the Rye, available March 28th. Thank you, Moshe. Thank you yeah. for your part in that. Appreciate uh, that. That was great. He was super nice to do that. Yeah. Uh, and I apologize to him. I apologize to you for the energy I came up with. I was, I was nervous about this, I'm not going to lie to you, because I can't imagine that you, uh, having seen or liked my comedy, that's the truth, so I don't think that you like uh, me as a person. Uh, are we going to so finish this story, or are we going to, what are we going to no, do? Nervous. I think that was the end of it. Most no, but, but, but didn't they him. follow you to the lobby? Oh, they did. They, well, first of all, uh, he just kept, he was very persistent. Guys in camouflage don't give up. You know what I mean? They're wearing camouflage for a reason. Yeah, they have to, they have to honor, honor the outfit. Yeah, yeah. Somehow he had uh, Jonagan piss, and I was like, where is that coming from? Uh, that's not true. That was the added part. Um, so we go to the lobby. Uh, Moshe's there with me. and uh, Who else and is it, witnessing this? Uh, Chad Daniels? Yeah. Uh, um, I feel like we should do a, a, a Rauschamon thing. Like, you know, like, like we have five or six versions of this same yeah. story. You forgot to tell them that the camouflage guy had sung Cher... Oh, Earlier yeah, the camouflage guy had done uh, uh, his own rendition of Cher at karaoke that now, night. Okay, so now he that throws the credibility time. of the camouflage yeah. into question altogether. So they come to the hotel. This is the best but part I, of the story for me. I think they're staying at the hotel. And then Moshe and I see them. They came in. They're not staying and, there. And we're like, holy shit, this fucking, what are the odds of two guys also in camouflage <laughs> who look like that? Which is pretty high in Michigan, but happen to be, happen to be the same guys. Moshe and I are like, let's get out of here. Moshe doesn't remember what floor he's staying on, and I'm twiddling the room key in my hand and somehow miraculously drop it in that crack in the elevator. <laughs> the crack that the fucking guy on Dirty Jobs investigated on a week. I don't even understand it. So now we're on the fourth floor, like, what do we do? That guy is, while that's happening downstairs with my friends, uh, Chad Daniels, Vince Morris, and he's going, he goes up to the front desk and he goes, did you call the cops? Because that guy is a litterer. I'm like, okay, so he has a he has a he has a point. He's doing it for a reason. But how can fucking camouflage guys who are supposed yeah. to be such badasses hold on to this fucking thing? Like, you know, we we're following through with the litter yeah. thing. Yeah, you made a good point. It, it was that was my comedy version outside of comedy. And uh, the thing that Chad told me was he was like, you're trying to teach morals to a guy in camouflage with a dirty beard at 2:15 a.m. <laughs> Just not a not a message. I think it's the not lesson get is through. start drinking in high school. Yeah, I should. Yeah, I, I started yeah, drinking right. way too late. Two years ago. Yeah. Three years ago. 
So, um, no, I, I like you. I don't know why you would think I didn't like you. I don't understand why people have that thing about me. No, it's you saying people. I'm. Who gives a shit about people? What I'm are you? Like, about are me. you on his campaign? What? Yeah, he just said, "Who gives a shit about people?" That seemed like something <laughs> you would. No, you, I'm sorry. No, no, you strike me. I worry. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think that you don't like people. I think that uh, me as an individual. But that's something that maybe should be edited. Now, I, I don't know if this is like a story that you're comfortable with telling, but I, you know, we have a common friend, and when I told Ryan him, Singer. when I told him you were going to be on the show, he, I think he texted me, "Oh shit, I got stuff on Tommy." And, yeah, that's um, what that's what your good friend would do. Yeah, <laughs> seems. No, exactly. no, he's a great guy, but he says... No, he is one of my favorite people. He says that, uh, that you're losing your virginity story is one of the best stories he's ever heard. Well, first of all, that's a shitty way to, to start a story. That's like, <laughs> hey, this story's the best, and then I'll tell it. Uh, I can go to another story. Uh, this, this, the virginity story, it's... Uh, I lost my virginity at 5 in the morning, September 11th, 2001. <laughs> right? I know. Never forget, right? Um, wow. It's, I like to specify the time because I lost it before shit went down. You know what I mean? Like, that didn't happen, and I was like, I gotta fuck somebody. I, at fi I was with a girl who was in an affair. She had a boyfriend who she lived with uh -huh. who still, who, who is married now yeah. and lives in my hometown, still wants to fist fight me. It's amazing. Like <laughs> fist he, fight you? He wants oh, to murder guy. me. The okay. guy, that, he was, uh, he was they, so they lived together. We had this huge affair that lasted six months. And then finally, the night it's going to happen, it's uh, late. It's really late. We put on Hope Floats. Watch it in its entirety. <laughs> By the way, that girl is adorable. Sandra Bullock, holy <laughs> shit, right? Uh, so we watch all of Hope Floats, and then we're messing around. And we're messing around, uh, and she goes, uh, are you ready? And I was like, I'm ready. Which is the weirdest. We're not launching a shuttle. Like, I'm, <laughs> you kind of are. I've been ready for a long time. Uh, I've been ready. I'm not going to be good, but ready, yes. <laughs> uh, so she goes, are you ready? And I was like, yes. And then what happened was, because she lived with her boyfriend, we couldn't go to her house because her boyfriend lived there and we couldn't go to my house because my mom and her husband lived there. <laughs> and uh, we are in her friend's house. Yeah. I, I swear to God, we had to hide my car. I have no morals or feelings. So I didn't give a shit about her boyfriend. Yeah. So I'm fine with hiding my car and I hid it at a church. Yeah. And we go to her friend's house and her dad is a preacher. Okay. And, we're in, and he's on a mission in Africa. <laughs> And I'm like, little did he know he could be doing a lot of work at home right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> he didn't have to get on a plane. He could have fixed some shit. Uh, so we're in this preacher's bed, and she's like, are you ready? And I'm like, I'm ready. And uh, we, 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 we toss a preacher's room like, like something on the wire. Yeah. We're, but we're looking for condoms. Yeah. Preachers don't have condoms. <laughs> so we have to drive to a gas station in Christopher, Illinois, and buy condoms. We bought three of a three pack. So I'm a pessimist. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna buy twelve. That's sixteen dollars. So we go back to this preacher's house and uh, and we do it for the first time. And uh, just out of pure nerves, I lasted way longer than I thought. And uh, How long was that, that was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, like what? So then I go back to my parents' house. I go. So home. you did good. You did all right. I did well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We we did that for months until her boyfriend broke up with her. And I didn't know that he and I were somehow tied. You know what I mean? Like, it was a situation where she, he, 
he, they, she broke up with him, and then she's like, oh, yeah, and then you're also gone. Like, I'm cleaning. You know what I mean? Sure. It was like one of those you things, guys like, work fucking, it out. It was like, what, like, it's like what she did what the Colts are doing right now in football. Yeah. Just completely fired everyone. And, uh, and so we do it, and then I wake up in the morning. I lived at home. I was 18 years old. Yeah. My mom pounds on the door, and she goes, we're under attack! <laughs> and I thought she meant us specifically. Because I lived across the street from this guy named Travis Sullivan who shot my dog. I'm like, that motherfucker. You know what I mean? And so I go back to sleep. Travis Sullivan wasn't part of it. Here's the thing, like, I think at any moment in your life, if someone wakes you up by yelling, we're under attack, you're not going to go back to sleep. Like, you're going to be like, I'm going to have to investigate what that problem was. So I turn on the TV as, as the second plane hits the tower. Mm-hmm. And it happens, and that whole thing unfolds, and uh, not a joke, uh, not a funny moment. Uh, part of me was like, holy fuck, like, I, I did a, I did a, I was like raised religiously. I'm like, that's, I mean, my parents said, wait till marriage, but they, <laughs> they did not preach the consequences. You know what I mean? I feel like there was too much focus on don't do it and less focus on what would happen if you did. <laughs> and her, her sure. friend, I'm, I'm doing very well. Sure, uh, yeah. Her friend, her friend called me. Uh, uh, I don't, I, did Who I the girl's give friend? I didn't give her a name, no, right? Her you didn't, friend though. called me, and it was a very funny moment. She goes, what did you do? That was like the thing she said, and then she hung up. It was yeah. just very, I'm like, I don't know, I, I, something fun, I thought, and then it ruined everything. <laughs> For the world. Yeah. Yeah. For the world, it For ruined the everything. world. <laughs> It was it was crazy. Oh god! I've seen her text you about that. <laughs> that was, that's a great story. Yeah. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Southern Illinois. It's about two hours from St. Louis, an hour from Kentucky, a town of six thousand white people. Mm-hmm. There's three black people now, and I don't say that in a way of, I'm guessing. Like there's literally. Uh, my mom called. My mom called me, and she goes, she goes. Uh, uh, we live on a street. She goes, oh, this, this, this black family moved in uh, across the street there. And I go, you've never called me to tell me a white family has moved in. Do <laughs> You have to understand what's happening right now. And she goes, oh, I, I just mean like, yeah, I was just saying that a black family moved in. I was like, that's, I don't think that's okay. She says colored people mm-hmm. still, which is, I mean, I, it's not good. But if I, could, if I could get my stepdad to say colored people... <laughs> We've fucking made progress. You know what I mean? Tommy Jonigan, ladies and gentlemen. Drew Hastings, Amber Preston, Alan Drybell, Kevin Nealon. Kick on the music. You've been great, Grand Rapids. This is a good time. Happy birthday, Jill. Thank you for listening to the show. I'll be out front if you want a t-shirt, you want to say hi, whatever you need. Thank you so much for coming. I'll see you out there. Thank you. That's great.